some of us have been with these ideas, these thought processes, this anger, this frustration. We've been in a relationship with a person for so long. It is ingrained in the very fiber of our being. It is a part of our culture. And without compulsion by God himself, it is incredibly difficult just to let it go. Also, Israel was in charge of how comfortable the Egyptians were. Some of the things that we don't let go of, we don't freely say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to surrender and I'm going to give it to you, is because those very things are in charge of our literal comfort. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. It's a big day at the Autumn Miles Show. It is a huge day, massive day, big day, because we are starting our next series. And I am full of stuff to give you about this next series. It is going to be incredible. The name of the series, if you have not heard it or seen it anywhere, is called Practical, okay? I hear what you're saying, Autumn, but how do I practically do what you're saying, okay? Convincing someone they need to change is kind of the easier route, but how do they change? Yes, I know I need to change, but how do I change, okay? So God has given me this message. I was not going to talk about this, but then this morning he hit me with this what he wants. And this is his show, you guys. This is his show. This is his thing. This is his. I have said ever since I started this ministry, this is not mine. This is yours. So I did my due diligence. I studied. I have a message that's chocked full of things that I believe the Lord wants to say. So hang with me because after the break, we are going to start practical part one. Okay. And we're going to learn how to put some of these things into place that we know we need to do. What does the Bible say about it? It's all about the word. Okay. So many things going on. And the last week, my little book babies have had birthdays. (laughs) Isn't that great? So appointed was nine years old last week. You guys nine like to even think that that little book baby is nine years old. Like, I can't even believe it. It's a year older than my children. (laughs) And Gangster Prayer is now four years old. They were released in the same week, you guys, just several years apart. So I got a nine-year-old book baby and I got a four-year-old book baby. And in August, we'll have my other little book baby's birthday. So go get those books. People ask me all the time, where is a book that we can read or what is we can do and whatever. I would recommend both of those books. Gangster Prayer liked to kill me because it was so hard. Just the satanic attack was so hard, you guys, with that one. And appointed, it was just hard because I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) And I still don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, But go get those two books that has recently happened. We're getting lots of emails and messages from you guys about what is God doing in your life? Keep them coming. I love to hear what God's doing in your life. You can email me at hello at autumnmiles.com or DM me on any of my socials. And we are a little behind on replying to our DMs on our socials. So hang with us as we get in there and as we reply. It's been a very busy season over here. So, um, but keep them coming because I love, love, love to take what you're questioning online or whatever. And I love to answer it publicly because I know a lot of you guys listen. Okay. So what's happening in my life? So many things are happening in my life, just a lot. But I want to tell you of what happened this morning. A month ago, my son, Moses, came to me and he said, Mom, uh, when are you going to take me fishing? Now, I don't go fishing because I don't know how. (laughs) It's not that I don't want to. It's that I do not know how to fish, okay? I have told you 
so many times on this show right here, that child knows more about fishing. I mean, he could probably be a professional fisherman right now. You know those pictures where the guys are holding up these huge fish and they're like a hundred pounds and they wrestled it in. But Moses could do that, okay? He could totally do that. He already has so much knowledge about fishing, it's unbelievable. So he has been asking me to go fishing for a long time. However, I don't know how. So I would get out there and he was just a little too young to kind of coach me rather than me coach him. <laughs> so I would say, son, mommy doesn't like to fish. Mommy doesn't know what she's doing. Mommy, mommy doesn't want to go. And finally, he's old enough to help me and he knows exactly what to do because his dad has taken him so much and his brother. And so last month he said, mom, when are you going to take me fishing? And I said, son, mommy doesn't know how to fish. And he goes, but I do. <laughs> And I was like, oh man, here we go. He knows how to fish. So now I have absolutely zero excuses. So I told him, I said, Monday, me and you are going to go fishing because I had a, a really full schedule. We had family in town and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, okay, did you put it on your calendar? <laughs> I said, yeah, buddy, mommy. And I did. I put it on my calendar um, to make sure he felt secure in me taking him. Well, Monday rolls around. Our uh, family had been in town for a long time. And Moses is like, like beyond, like they have two little kids and he's so tired at four o'clock in the afternoon, he has to go to bed. And so I'm like, okay, bud, I don't think fishing is going to work tonight. Cause we're going to go at night. Okay, mom, I just want to go to bed. But I said, we can do it Wednesday morning. And he said, okay, did you put it on your calendar? <laughs> And I'm like, not much is on my calendar at 6 a.m. in the morning. But yes, I will put it on my calendar just so you feel secure that it's on there. So this morning I got up at about 5.30, woke him up, and um, we had live bait. And he had prepped my fishing line last night, and he put it in my car because I ain't got to walk to the pond. I'm going to drive to the pond. <laughs> And so I got him up and he is normally hard to get up like on school days or whatever. But I said, Moses, it's time to go fishing. Homeboy jumped straight out of bed. It was as if like he got poked with electricity or something. He bounced right out of bed. He was ready in about 35 seconds. And of course I had my coffee and everything. And he's like, okay, mom. And so um, we went fishing. He baited my hook because I'm not doing that. He got everything ready. And I'm like, okay, how do you cast? Because I don't know how to do it. Showed me how to cast. Got my little line in the water. And you guys, it was not 20 seconds later that I caught a fish. <laughs> All of a sudden, little bobber's going down in the water. And he's like, mom, you have a fish. And I'm like, that's impossible. I don't know what I'm doing. He was like, but you still have a fish, mom. And so uh, I reeled it in and I said, okay, what do we do? And he's like, I don't want to take the hook out of the fish mouth because you just throw it back. And I said, well, what are we going to do? You got to try. And so he tried and he was like, no, I don't want to do it. And so we called my husband <laughs> who told me last night, I feel like I should go with you. And I'm like, absolutely not. You do not have to go with me. I'm a strong woman. I can take care of this. But then when I caught a fish, I was like, I need help. <laughs> so Eddie came and I stood for a while with that fish in the water so it would breathe. Moses like, put it in the water so it'll breathe. And you know what? It was perfectly fine. It just swam right away when we take it off, took it off the hook. But Eddie showed up because it's like three minutes from our house and um, helped us out. And then um, Moses baited another hook for me. And you guys, in the time that we were there, I caught three fish by myself. And I was really proud of that because I thought, wow, maybe I'm good at this. <laughs> maybe I found a hidden talent. Moses was smiling ear to ear the entire time. Like he won the lottery because his mother was fishing with him. And so I said, buddy, we're going to go fishing more often because now I know how to do it. And you can teach me and you can help me. And um, we're going to do it. So that is what's happening in my life. Lean into it, girls. You don't know what to do. Just kind of lean into it. 
and it's cool when they're eight and they know what to do and you're 42 and you have no idea. So he was very happy. He said, I didn't catch a fish because he didn't catch a fish. And I said, but son, it's better to teach someone to fish than to catch your own because you're actually helping mommy learn how to do something I've never known how to do. And so he was like, that's right. I'm a teacher now. I can teach people. I'm like, yes, you can. So I'm already training them, guys. I'm already training them. Anyway, that is what is going on in my life. I love that boy so much. He is outdoorsy all the way, boy through and through. I love him. I love his little heart. I love, I just love him. He's such a positive little bundle of joy. Anyway, we're going to come back and we are going to talk about practically letting things go. That's what we're going to talk about after the break. I'll see you in just a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Looking for a passionate speaker to bring the Word of God for your next conference or church function? We've got the girl for you. Autumn Miles is the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries with the goal of spiritually challenging the way people think. Autumn is dedicated to teaching the Bible in an engaging and relatable way so that everyone can experience the Lord in a deeper way. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she's passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. So what are you waiting for? You can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement today. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we are back. Hope you'd enjoyed that. I love, you know, I was just telling the team in the middle of the break, I don't really like fishing, but I loved watching him tell me what to do. And it was, he spoke with such authority and it was almost like I was looking at him 20 years in the future, you know, speaking with such authority on a topic that he knows about. So it was pretty, pretty precious. Okay. Practical, practical week one. Now I was going to speak on something else, like I mentioned, and the Lord this morning said, was talking to me about you, like he always does. And he said, no, Autumn, that's not priority. You know, sometimes when you talk, you have, you know, doing a three-week series, there are several heavy things that you just need to hit. And then there's some things that can wait. And I always rely on the spirit of God to tell me what exactly that is. But I felt this morning, like he said, this is a priority. And so I dropped everything else I was doing and really wrote this message this afternoon. And the thing I want to talk about today is how do you let it go? How do you let it go? How do you lay it down? Now, it can be described as many, many things. I will say right now, I am in the process of letting a slow let go of my oldest child as she goes to embark into the world, which I'm really not happy about. But, and yet God has said, this is her time to do so. In 2020, when the world collapsed, I was not ready to let go my whole life's work really in one week. And yet things were out of my control and I had to let things go and I had to lay things down. Just the simple fact of taking my child to school, I had to let that go and homeschool, which I have never wanted to do for a period of time. Letting things go can look like letting a child go. Letting things go can look like letting a relationship go that you know is toxic. 
letting things go can, you know, be equivalent to letting anger go once and for all. You're letting anger go about a situation, putting hurt to bed, putting offense to bed, letting that church hurt go. That comes up every single time you even drive by a church and you don't even realize it. Letting things go can look like an addiction, alcohol, whatever it is, letting things go can look like that. And the Lord just spoke so clearly to my spirit to this morning and said, they need to know how to let it go because they don't know how to let it go. They know that they need to let it go, but they don't know how to let it go. And and I was going to talk on Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians, so I wasn't even going to talk in this idea. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, oh my goodness, I wish 20 years ago, someone, anyone would have told me how to let something go because it would have saved me 10 years of anger and frustration over what had happened to me, but nobody did. We all have something. Let's all get on the same playing field right now. We all have something we could let go. And I don't want to stir anything up in you. I don't want you to go back to some deep, dark, whatever. But most of the time, there is something in your mind that you immediately almost can identify. Yeah, I need to let that go. (laughs) I need to move on from that. And as I was praying through this this morning, the Lord, he gave me the idea and the passage and everything all at once. And that's how I know it's God, because he answers the question and then gives me the multifaceted answer and answers subsequent questions that I would have all in one thought. And this is what he said. How do you let it go? In order to know how to practically let something go. You need to know what could happen if you don't. I want to take you to my text today. And I'm telling you this. I have never thought about this passage of scripture this way. I have never even, it it was definitely a God-given revelation of this particular man. And I'm going to bring home at the very last point that I have. Okay, so hang with me the whole time. But what happens when you don't? Here's the thing. A lot of us know we need to let anger go. We need to let offense go. We need to look at our spouse and we need to say to them, my relationship with you is more important than what we have disagreed on all these years. I want to take a new start, draw a line in the sand, and we're going to move forward from that. I'm going to let that go that infidelity, that whatever. And I understand these are not, an infidelity is not a small thing, but it gets to a point where the hurt starts hurting you. So in order to let something go, and I'm going to go through a list of things practically at the end of what I'm talking about, we have to know what happens to us when we don't. And God said, Autumn, I want you to talk about Pharaoh. And I want you to talk to them about what happened as a result of his decision not to let God's people go. I'm going to read it to you in Exodus 5. Now, we all know this whole story of, you know, burning bush. I've talked about that a hundred times. We're past that. Okay. Moses has disagreed with God. I'm not your guy. I can't speak. I'm not this. I'm not that. And God has said, yes, you are. And I'm going to give you Aaron. Okay. So they have mustered up the courage to go and to stand before Pharaoh. Okay. And I want you to take a trip with me through the pages of Exodus as we walk through Pharaoh's decision-making. Here we go. Exodus 5, verse 1. And afterwards, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is this Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. They said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please 
Let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise, he will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. Now, this hit me like a freight train because all of a sudden I'm seeing me in Pharaoh. <laughs> this whole morning I'm looking at Pharaoh and I'm like, oh my goodness, I am Pharaoh. No one wants to be Pharaoh in this story, okay? Nobody wants to be Pharaoh. Pharaoh, bad guy. Moses, good guy. God, good guy. Aaron, kind of good guy, even though not he made some bad decisions, let's put it like that. But I submit to you, if you are struggling with letting something go, you and Pharaoh have a lot in common, just like me and Pharaoh has a lot in common. Here's the first thing I want to draw out of this passage of scripture to you. God said, let my people go through Moses and Aaron. Now, when God is talking through Moses and Aaron, he is talking about his chosen people. But I believe that there are people that are listening to this podcast today that maybe it's not God's chosen people that you need to let go. But God has said, I need you to let that offense go. Let that offense go. Let it go. What was Pharaoh's response to this mandate of letting God's people go. He said this, verse two, Exodus five, verse two, but who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. I stood on this for a little bit and I thought to myself, wow, that was really bold that he said that because here's the deal. Pharaoh did know who God was. Now, did he have a personal relationship with God? No. But Israel was running Egypt. So they all knew who God was. I'm about to ring your bell. How many of us know who God is, but pretend not to hear him or not to be associated with him in some areas of our life. I know you hate me. You're going to turn it off right now, but stay with me because this is so good. I don't know the Lord. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And besides, I'm just not going to do it. And besides, I'm just not going to do it. We know God, but at the time that we're asked to let things go in our life by God, we don't realize in that moment what harm could happen if we hold on too long. This is so good. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Pharaoh makes a statement that is so, ugh, like, ugh, word vomity. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I don't know, Lord. And besides, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let Israel go. He didn't realize the harm that would happen and that could happen by holding on too long. Have you ever met those people who in your life are like, they're older people. I used to work for a nursing home. This is years ago. I think it was my first job. I can't remember my, I had like four jobs when I was 14 because I'm like, I need to buy herbal essences for my hair and my mom's not going to do it because it costs $3. So I need to get my own job. And so then I like started accruing jobs and that's when I realized I loved how to work. I love to work. I love to work. And so I worked for a nursing home, okay, or retirement community, but I don't really think it was a retirement community. I think it was a nursing home because those people, they were, they were definitely advanced in age. And I remember at uh, about seven or eight o'clock at night before I got off my shift at work, I would help with like uh, making their dinner. I would set their little things out. A lot of little ladies like cranberry juice. They drank a lot of cranberry juice. And then a lot of men, like they would have, they would like one Reese's cup. <laughs> 
so weird some of the stuff they wanted they would want one apple but they would only want half of the apple and they would want it cut up and so i was responsible for making sure at every assigned seat that they had what they wanted okay and so i would go around and feed them dinner and then after that i would get the snack cart ready because they got a snack from like seven to eight o'clock uh and sometimes i think it might have been a little bit early because they they went to bed pretty early but it would give me an opportunity as I would go from room to room to room to, I would push the snack in their room. And typically I would know what they would want. They're definitely creatures of habit when people get up in age. I mean, I'm 42 and I know exactly what I want on any given day. Um, so they would be like, I want a Sprite and I want, you know, whatever, unless they were diabetic or something. And we had like a diabetic side and all the things. But it gave me a chance to have conversations with these older men and women. And some of the conversations that we had, I remember leaving their rooms after giving them their, you know, snack for the day or whatever. I would leave their rooms and I would cry to the next room because I, me being 15 years old, I remember thinking to myself, I never want that to be me. One man in particular, you know, he's, he was nice enough once you get to know him, but he was so angry all the time. I remember going into his room, he cussed everybody out. I didn't even really know what all the cuss words were, but he kind of taught me all of them because <laughs> he's sitting there and, you know, he would, he would call us every name in the book. It really was not great. Okay. But I remember coming out of his room and thinking, I don't want to be like that when I get older. I remember thinking to myself, I don't know what he's been through. I don't know what he's gone through. I don't know what it is but i don't want to be like that and as i was looking back on those times i went into a woman uh, a woman and she didn't like to be touched now i totally understand that some people are physical affection people some people are not but i mean like a nothing like no handshake no nothing and they would warn you, you know, don't touch her and you know i'm not gonna touch anybody but but it was a thing that she had. And um, I remember going in there, we'd always be really, really careful about where to put everything. And a lot of these things are just, did they just come with older age, you know? I remember going in there and uh, said, she was very jumpy and setting something down and she would like, you know, get scared or whatever. And I, you know, I'm, I'm like 15 years old. Like, I don't, I don't know anything at this point, but I knew enough to know something had happened to her that had affected her so deeply that consequently she was scared at the literal drop of a hat. I would leave her room and I would think, oh man, I don't wanna be like that. And I'm thinking back on these things today, this morning, I'm thinking, you know, I wonder if that's a product of them just not letting something go. I'm not saying that their life with is easy. I'm not saying that it's easy to let things go. As a matter of fact, I'm going to prove to you that it is an, an incredibly difficult challenge to let something go. But just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not right. Over the years and doing ministry for, you know, 20 plus years, I've come across people and you can tell if they've let things go. You know, the people that are just, there's light in their spirit. They just kind of walk around, they have smiles on their face all the time and they're just happy people. It doesn't mean that they're weird or doesn't mean that, you know, well, that's just their personality. It just means that they live lighter because they've learned how to let something go. I know me when I'm not bogged down with a bunch of things and a bunch of cares of the word and finances and this and that and the other and, and oh my gosh, I have to do 46 things for my kids. I have to make these four lunches. I have to get to all this thing. When I walk around letting things go mentally, I'm pretty fun. I'm a hoot. And the reason why I believe that Pharaoh had such a strong response, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I don't know the Lord. And besides, I'm not letting Israel go. What you don't let go causes you more harm than good. The consequences of hanging on for too long causes you many, it's hard to let it go, but it's harder to live with it if God has said it's time to let that thing go. What you don't let go 
causes you more harm than good. Now, God knew this. This is in Exodus 5. But listen to what God tells Moses in Exodus 3. He says this. He's saying, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to ask him to let people go. Blah, blah, blah. Here you go. This is what I want you to do. But he says to Moses in Exodus 3, but I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion, okay? I looked up that word compulsion and it means strong hand, mighty hand, okay? Which means God knew it would take something convincing in order to let Pharaoh let the people go. This is a prophetic word from God. I know what's in Pharaoh. And I, we're going to say, let it go. I'm going to tell you to go let it go. But I am telling you right now, it is going to take a lot of convincing under compulsion, some versions say under a strong hand, uh, to let him give you permission to let those people go. I know, Exodus 3, 19, I want to read it again because it's very important. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. God knows. What he knows about Pharaoh, he knows about us. He knew that it was going to be incredibly difficult for Pharaoh to let all of those people go. So he prepared Moses. Listen, this is going to be a battle. This is going to be a fight. Don't you think for one second you're going to walk in there and say, let, my, let God's people go. And Pharaoh's going to go, okay, well, I'll pack your bags. I'll put you on a plane. I'll let you go. No problem. I'll pack you a little snacks, some little, you know, fruit drinks. You know, I got it. Little, it's okay. I'll pack you some bottled water. Pharaoh was not going to do that. And so God alerted Moses to say, go in and ask for it. But it's only going to happen under compulsion. And I submit to you, why? Why would Pharaoh not just say, okay, he knew who God was when he's saying in Exodus five is, you know, just a little bull. He knew exactly who God was because God's people were serving him at that moment. He just didn't realize what was going to happen to him by not saying uh, they could walk out and go, why? Why would he not let them go? This is why, because Israel was trapped for 400 years and they were the main reason for the culture in Egypt. Some of us have been with these ideas, these thought processes, this anger, this frustration. We've been in a relationship with a person for so long. It is ingrained in the very fiber of our being. It is a part of our culture. And without compulsion by God himself, it is incredibly difficult just to let it go. Also, Israel was in charge of how comfortable the Egyptians were. Some of the things that we don't let go of, we don't freely say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to surrender and I'm going to give it to you is because those very things are in charge of our literal comfort. I'm just going to numb out and I'm going to do this. It is medicinal, whatever that it is. And it's so ingrained in how we live that if we separate from us, it's scary. We know we need to let it go. But if we separate from that thing, it is absolutely terrifying. And we don't know. The bottom line is that Pharaoh would have let God's people go, but he did not know how to function without them. And I just believe that someone out there, you know, you need to let that go but you are scared what's on the other side of letting it go. You know you need to move on from that relationship. But it's so ingrained in the culture of who you are. It's so ingrained in the very fact that you are comfortable on a daily basis. You cannot muster up the courage in order to separate it when God has even said, let it go. So we need convincing and count this as convincing. I'm trying to convince you. God said, he ain't letting those people go except under a mighty hand. Pharaoh couldn't imagine his life without him. 400 years, guys, 400 years. That's all they knew. 
All they knew was that Israel are slaves for 400 years. Israel is in their history as being their slaves, is in their history's history of being their slaves. History's history, history. They couldn't perceive life without the thing that God was saying, it's time to give it up. You've had your fun, time to give it up. He couldn't perceive of it. I, I even submit to you, he was probably terrified of the uproar of the Egyptians that would happen if he actually did it because they would come and blame him for the decision to basically ruin every Egyptian's entire life. So he didn't do it. Most of the time we don't let go is because we cannot perceive how to function without that thing or person. Most of the time where we look at the Lord and he's saying, I want you to give up that addiction. I want you to give up that relationship. I want you to give up that anger. I want you to give up that offense. I want you to stop gossiping. I want you to stop talking like this. I want you to leave that thing in the past. Move on. Freedom is calling. Move ahead. Freedom is calling. Most of the time, the reason that we don't do it is because we don't know how to function without us, without it. And the thought of being without that thing is harder to, to grapple with than the thought of leaving the thing that God is asking us to move on from. So God says this, you gonna let him go? Understand this, that God is, is a very loving God. So he, yes, he loved Moses and he chose Moses, but he also loved Pharaoh. He loves, he is love. He loved Pharaoh. And I know that he loved Pharaoh because he gave Pharaoh an opportunity one time with no plague, with just Moses and Aaron, a merciful, good God gave him a chance. Listen, just let him go. We're here. We're just here to pick up our, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of Israelites. It's time for them to go. God is calling. So we're going to need them. God was so merciful that he allowed Pharaoh the opportunity to let that thing go without consequence. But he said, no. God is so merciful that without any consequences, he will tell you, just give it up. Move on from it. I've got you. But the fear of functioning without it was greater than the fear of saying no to God with it. And so he brought judgment on himself. I want to talk to you through just these plagues. And I, and I think they're really interesting because God starts off pretty soft. Now, I'm going to say soft, but <laughs> depending on, uh, because of where I know they ended, there was a progression here, okay? The first thing that, that Moses said when he went to Pharaoh was, I want you to turn, uh, God said to Moses, excuse me, I want you to turn the, the Nile into blood. And um, he turned the Nile in, into blood, which is gross. All the fish died, gross, yuck. But you know what? There's cattle. There's other things to eat. You know, they could probably go fishing in like a different pond or lake or something like that. Like, I don't know where the Egyptians ate, but you know, the Nile, not such a big deal. So kind of a, a minor thing, you know, we hear of things all the time, like don't drink your drinking water for 24 hours or whatever. It's not, it's not really minor. It's not hurting our bodies. Like it's, it's more of a, it's more of like a test. Like, Hey, this is what I can do. The second one was kind of gross. Frogs, frogs all over the land. Yeah, that's gross. Frogs got and everything, but you know, they're just a nuisance. I mean, they're just hopping along. It's kind of funny at first. You see a bunch of frogs and you're like, what the heck is this going? <laughs> what is going on here? And you're like, wow, look at the frogs. And then they get annoying. But it's not really hurting you, really, is it? Maybe a little bit more severe because they were spread all over the land, but it wasn't really hurting them. And then the frogs left. Third plague is this, insect or gnats. Now this is gross because gnats can kind of get in your face or your, you know, nose, all the things. You never want to like go pet a horse that has gnats all over them. That's gross. Gnats are not our friends and they could be incredibly gross, especially swarms and swarms of them. Um, but you know what? No one's dying. It's just a bunch of gnats. So yeah, progressively got a little bit worse. 
It was in this plague that God introduced the land of Goshen. Now this is I'm probably going to do a message on Goshen, where literally God separated the judgment from Egypt from the judgment of Israel and the land of Goshen was a land that was not touched with the plagues because Israel resided there. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but I'm probably going to preach on this here pretty soon. But Egypt experienced the plagues. Then we have flies. Flies are disgusting. If a fly lands on my cup, I am grossed out. Go wash my cup and I'm done with that cup at least until I wash it or I put it in the dishwasher. Flies were everywhere. Flies flew in. They're everywhere. Imagine them. Ugh, what flies make. I don't even like the, to say what they make. You know, those little white, wormy things. Then all of a sudden, all the Egyptian cattle die. Uh-oh. There's the bulk of our food supply. Now, about three or four of these plagues in, the Egyptians are starting to fear God. Now, God, he is swirling up his wonder so Israel can see what he is capable of, but the Egyptians are also seeing what he is capable of, and then it's all pointed at him, and they know exactly who is making this happen, which would be Pharaoh himself. So they start freaking out, and they start learning, we don't want this to happen. So they start telling Pharaoh, we don't want this to happen. You need to listen to Moses. You need to, you guys need to strike a deal. We need to have some like peace treaty or something like that here. All the Egyptians cattle die. Now the Israeli cattle do not die. Why? Because they're in Goshen. But you know, you still make bread. You guys still have something to eat. It wasn't as convincing for Pharaoh. So we can move on to plague number six, boils. Now, this is disgusting. I don't even like to think of this, but they're the plague of boils, which actually hit their bodies. Now, I don't really know medically what a boil is. I know what it looks like, but I don't know what it is. But, you know, I've had, you know, little skin cancers in my family that have need to be removed. There's little things that happen. You know, I had a wart in my finger last week and I hated that. Could you imagine boils all over your body to the extent where you cannot stand up because it hurts so bad? And yet, Pharaoh would not let those people go. So easy to get on Pharaoh until we realize that we struggle with the exact same thing. Even under compulsion, he could not perceive of a life without the Egyptians serving him in it. Seven, now this is when the uh, Israelites, uh, I'm sorry, the Egyptians, what Moses said, I'm gonna, there's gonna be hail. Hail. Now we have a lot of hail in Dallas, in Texas, and we, I'm always worried for our cars whenever the hail comes with the thunderstorm and, and it comes a lot. Like, you know, we have a, a lot, um, but this hail, the size of this hail that Moses said was coming, killed people and killed animals. And so the Egyptians heard, oh my goodness, now he's prophesying about hail. So they actually brought their cattle into their houses so that they would be, um, some of them who feared God, the Bible says, I don't have time to re get into all of that, but who feared God brought the cattle into their houses so that they would be protected from hail and the hail came and it killed even more cattle. And they're saying, Pharaoh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about this? They are destroying our country. Are you still not going to let these people go? Number eight, locusts. Now, I had a locust in my yard the other day, and it was weird. I can't imagine them being everywhere. The ninth one is darkness. For three days, it was completely dark. That's weird. Makes you go crazy. And the last one, of course, we know was the Passover lamb who killed every single one of the firstborn children whose families did not have the blood on the doorpost. And the Bible says, and there was a great cry in Egypt, a great cry. And it got Pharaoh's uh, son as well. About plague number three, the Egyptians began to see what was going on. Other people 
started chiming in. Because let me tell you this, lack of letting go begins not just to hurt you, it begins to hurt those around you. At first, it was minimal. But then it starts infecting and affecting people around you. And people around you start noticing what the decision you're making not to let this anger go is starting to seep into our relationship. The decision you're making not to forgive is the addiction is now hurting more than just us. It's destroying me too. So please do the work to let that thing go. This is so powerful, you guys, because your hurt begins to hurt you. But if you don't let it go, when God says it's time, your hurt doesn't just hurt you. It hurts everybody else. I cannot tell you how many times I've had to apologize to my children because I had a really frustrating day at work or on a ministry call or, you know, something like that. And I, I come home and I'm, I'm uptight and I'm tense and they know something's wrong with me and it affects them as well. What we don't let go of, what we don't give to the Lord, what we don't process, what we don't find freedom from, what we don't find deliverance from, it does not just affect you. It affects your family. It affects your friends. It affects everyone. And the very last plague is so powerful to me because it also kills something. It kills relationships, opportunities, integrity. Not letting go causes you more problems than keeping it. Pharaoh single-handedly destroyed the Egyptian empire simply because he said, no, I'm not going to let him go. And then he destroyed his entire army when he went back after them. He's not so different than us, right? I've held on to hurt for so long that I hurt my husband. I held off to working at a church for so long. And I believe if I would have let go of some of that sooner, I would have found joy in a place that I love so desperately and found freedom from that sooner. Not letting go causes you more problems than keeping it. Look no further than Pharaoh. Now, I want to tell you, um, and I'm, I'm, I know I've, I've been on a long time, but you know what? We're just going to go with it because we just are. <laughs> this is from God. I'm tying everything back to Jesus and his life because I feel like, you know, I love all these greats, Moses, Aaron, all the things, all the people, but Jesus is our example. And I want you to tell, I want to tell you of a time where he said, you're going to have to let me go. But I tell you the truth, John 16, 7. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Not letting go causes more problems than you even want to deal with, guys. <laughs> you don't. Look at Pharaoh. Go no further than that. But letting things go brings you something better on the other side of this. Jesus, you know, imagine, imagine the, the disciples looking at Jesus and he's like, you're going to have to let me go. And they're like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. I don't want to let you go. You just radically changed my life. I'm seeing all of these crazy things going. Uh, you're looking at it and you're thinking, how did these disciples actually process that verse right there? How did they look at him when he's like, I got to go and you're going to have to let me go. And you're going to have to trust by faith that when I go, something greater is coming. The helper is on the way. I look at Pharaoh and I look at his lack of yielding when God said, let my people go. And I look at Jesus and he is saying the exact opposite. Let me go. Let it go. 
because in my place, I am going to give you something better to replace whatever that thing is. How would it feel if you let that anger go once and for all and you all of a sudden have peace? How would it feel if you could look at that person that um, you've been in a relationship with for so long, let them go, but God eventually restores a greater relationship to you? How would it feel, you guys, if you looked at your church and said, you know what, I'm just going to choose to let this hurt go and God places you in a place of complete health. Jesus is saying here, you're going to have to let me go. But when you obey exactly what I said, you let me, I'm going to go, but you got to let me go. I'm going to give you something better. It is a faith decision to let even something good go when God says, let it go. We trust by faith that he's not mean when he says to let something go. He is going to replace it with something that you actually need because that other thing is not serving you anymore. And maybe it never was. Better things come to replace those things that are, we choose by faith to move on from and to let go. Steps to letting go. I, I, um, I want to just be super practical here for a second. I was looking up this passage of scripture. It says, therefore, Hebrews 12, 1, we, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand throne of God. You know, when this says, um, let us lay aside those things that easily entangle us, what you need to let down in this second, let go in the second is probably something that is easily entangling you. It easily entangles your mind, maybe your activity, maybe your emotion. It easily, you know, I've been had conversations where I've gotten tangled in dramatic conversations um, with people or even like a counseling situation where my mind can't even think of anything else for like two or three days. Eddie will come and he's like, we need to talk this thing through. We need to talk about something that grabs my mind for, for several days when it doesn't have to. We can lay these things down and let these things that easily keep us off track from running light and free with freedom attached to them by doing these few things. Number one, knowing that the thing will harm you and eventually destroy you. Number one, it's an education of sorts. What we just did through Exodus is educating you. Listen, here's the deal. This is, it's, you know, I know a story in the Bible is just for one thing. This story in Exodus and Pharaoh gives us a good idea of what holding on for too long can systematically do to our lives. It can destroy relationships and ultimately can destroy us as it could destroy everything, us as people, knowing that that thing will harm you and eventually destroy you. Number two, knowing it will be replaced with something better. When I left my first husband and, you know, I know I've, I've talked about this so much. I left in faith. I told the Lord, I know that we, I need to go and I'm trusting my faith, my future to you. I know I need to let that thing go, that relationship go. I need to put that behind me, but I'm trusting by faith. And I'm not telling you to go to get a divorce. What I'm saying is that the situation that I was in, I believed God to restore what the enemy stole to me. Number one, knowing that it will harm you and eventually destroy you. Number two, knowing that if you let it go, God, just like he replaced himself with the spirit of God, it will be better. I got to go. 
it's better that I go. You're going to want to let me go because I'm going to send something that's going to help you on a daily basis. God doesn't take away and say, let that thing go without when we are faithful and when we are plugged into him, replacing it maybe in a different way with something greater. The Holy Spirit is in all of us. Jesus was just to a handful of people. Obviously, we need him to get saved. We need to believe in him to get saved. But he gave us himself as the Holy Spirit to abide in us. Number three, Hebrews 12, one, make a decision to lay it aside. Every time you are tempted to entangle yourself with that thing, remind yourself of one and two. If I don't let this thing go, it's gonna bring a lot more harm than good because God said, let it go. Number two, if I don't let this thing go and I don't make a decision to let it go, what is better cannot come and replace it. Go back to number three, make a decision. What is that thing? I don't know the practical steps. Maybe you need counseling. Maybe you need to go, go talk to your pastor. I don't know. Maybe you need to get on a budget. I don't know what that thing is. Maybe you just need to sever ties with that person forever. Maybe you just need to stop being so offended all the time. I know there are times that I got to stop being offended all the time. Maybe you should go to a class. Maybe you should go back to school. I don't know what your specific practical steps are, but you can make a decision just like Hebrews 12 says, lay it down. The very word lay it down means to cast it off. This morning I was working with Moses and I and he was teaching me how to cast. What do you do? You pull, you pull the fishing line back and you let the thing go and the line goes as far as it can go until it stops and it drops. Cast it off as far as you can go from you. Make a decision. Draw the line in the sand that says no more. Absolutely no more. Because it's an act of will. It's an act of will. You know what it's going to do if you don't let it go? You know what will come if you do let it go. Now you have to act, discipline yourself in order to lay that thing down so that you can move forward. Galatians 5 is so incredibly amazing. And I'm going to leave you with this verse that says, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. If you refuse to let something go, like Pharaoh did, you're a slave to it. It is your master. If you're choosing that over God, it is your master. But Christ came to set us free. He came to set us free. Wouldn't it be great if we could just walk free? Free. Wouldn't that be awesome? three steps, and then you need to fill in the practical steps for your specific situation. Know how about it can hurt you. Know what will come when you let it go. Something better. I don't know what that is. Something better. Make a firm stance that you are going to lay it aside because it has distracted and bothered you for so and then walk in that freedom. I submit to you to close that Israel wasn't the only one in bondage. Pharaoh was as well. He was in bondage to his own stubbornness and it destroyed him and everyone he knew. We have the ability to walk free. So practically speaking, dive into what freedom looks like for you with those three things as your guide. Lord, we love you today. We trust you today. God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for how potent this word is. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that revelations are happening right now, God. I thank you for that. I thank you for conviction. I thank you for repentance. 
Thank you, Lord God, that you are above it all. I just believe right now by faith that people are yielding in to this word because it's from you. God, I pray that you would give them the strength to walk out letting go. Just like Israel walked out of Egypt, I pray that they walk on out and leave behind whatever they're holding. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you guys back in one sec. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go. X-Y-Z-A, yeah. Hey guys, it's Autumn, and I want to know, family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching autumnmiles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X-Y-Z-A, yeah. Okay, guys, we are back. That was heavy, wasn't it? That was heavy, wasn't it? I feel like we need to laugh. <laughs> or I don't know, clap our hands or something. Listen, God is so faithful. And I believe that he gives us words in due season. That's what his word tells us. And I believe that this was for somebody today. And I love you. If it's for you, I love you. And I'll be praying for you um, because you are incredible. Let's hear from a question. What do you recommend when your spouse suddenly stops desiring to go to church? Every Sunday is a battle and we show up annoyed with each other. <laughs> that might just be Sunday morning. <laughs> do I just let them stay home and I go alone? What do you do when you guys do not agree on church? You know, okay, here's the deal. I mean, hopefully you've had a conversation about this. I know if my husband and I have something that we're like disagreeing on or something like that, we will sit down and have a conversation about it. Do you know why? Do you know why they want to stop going to church? If you hear their reasons and they are valid, I would 100% if they are not comfortable with the church because of, you know, like the, uh, the something theological or something like that, I would ask them, should we look for another church? You know, I'm not big on church hopping. I'm a big believer in get planted, stay planted. We have served a few churches a long time. And so I'm a big believer in that. But do we know why? I think this question is a little bit broad, but I will say if it's something theological that they can't get around, 
sit down and have a conversation on how you can get unified. Because if what you don't want is you to go and him to stay or her to stay. What you don't want is a divided family, okay? What you want is unity. So sit down and have a conversation with your spouse and say, how can we be unified? Do we need to talk to the pastor? Do we need to talk to whoever? Do we need to join a small group? Do we need to go to council? You know, uh, figure out what that issue is and then go from there. Because Satan wants your house divided. The Bible says a house divided itself cannot stand. He wants your house divided spiritually. So you're on different levels and he can use that to his own devices and to manipulate you. Get on the same page. Do whatever it takes to get on the same page spiritually. And then if you need to move churches, do that. If you need to have a conversation with leadership, do that. If you need um, him to join a small group, do that. You to join, do that. This is important enough to fight for. So don't just let it go. That's what I would say to that. God bless you. Thank you for that question. This is a really good one. Testimony. A woman I knew for a really long time decided to move away, start fresh, and basically gave up on God. She was sad and depressed and didn't want to hear anything anyone had to say. It's been seven years and she reached out to me apologizing and wanting to restore our relationship. Talk about a miracle. That is amazing. Seven years. I know uh, seven stands for as the number of completion in the Bible. That is absolutely amazing that she comes back and she wants to restore the relationship. I love that so much. And which just goes to show, listen, wait, wait for God to move. Sometimes he moves instantly and sometimes he moves. It takes him a little bit of time, but wait on the Lord, because that's what happened here and the relationship was restored. I love that. I love these testimonies. I love you guys. I love this word. And I just want to say, I hope this message encouraged you greatly because I really do feel like God wants to break some chains and he wants to work on your life so you can walk free, lighthearted, laughing all the time, having fun all the time, just light. He wants you to lay those things down that are holding and pulling you back. So God bless y'all. I will see you next week for week two of Practical. All right. I'll see you then. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available. From her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Autumn Miles Show.